We're shaking cats and kittens. This is Rob Lee from Mastermind Team's Robcast. I am the Rob in Robcast, the Silver Linings Playboy, the American Wave, the Midnight Snack Rob Lee. Get it straight. For all of you guys out there listening, we do a podcast. Me and my uh, silent partner here. Yep, Torn, you know. Uh-huh. Probably the cool one out of the group, but you know. I, I don't know. Is. I don't know if that's accurate. I have to be. Say, say more about this. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's just like, get yourself over as the cool guy. I'm the cool guy. Look, Listen to my voice. That's it. You're as cool. Mm. Dis- you're, you're Kawhi don't, Leonard. You're the Kawhi Leonard of this oh, podcast. Oh, shit. I'm a fun guy. I'm a cool guy. <laughs> so listen to us every week. We cover weird news, pop culture, entertainment. The cool guy, Torn, don't call me Tron, Tron, and me, Rob Lee, the King Snake, uh, the Thoughts of Doom, the man with... 101 aliases and we're on every week on mtr podcast and that is mtrthenetwork.com that is on apple spotify everywhere podcasts are found those gonna be mtr podcasts look for us on youtube and check us out on the instagram account and facebook both at mtr podcast check us out every tuesday new episodes are dropping subscribe today what's shaking cats and kittens this is rob lee from truth in this art your favorite podcast Every week, I help share the stories of artists, cultural leaders, and entrepreneurs. Small business is the backbone of a thriving community. So this month, I want to show some extra love to our presenting sponsor and small business, Double Dutch Boutique. For the holidays, remember to shop small, shop local. Double Dutch Boutique carries locally made in Baltimore vendors such as This Sporting Life, Creative King, Black Radish Handmade, and so much more. Head on over to 1021 West 36th Street in Hamden or on the web at www.doubledutchboutique.com and tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and this is on MTR Podcast. My next guest is animator, filmmaker, sound recordist residing in Baltimore, Maryland, and the founder of the Sweaty Eyeballs Animation Festival. Please welcome Phil Davis. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rob. I, I want to get the, the vital statistics on you, where you're from, where did you grow up, um, things like that. And really, what brought you to um, what, you, what you do? What, you, what brought you to animation? What brought you to um, this medium, this art? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I grew, I grew up in rural New Hampshire, um, kind of Southwestern New Hampshire in the woods. And, uh, yeah, I, I've always been like really interested in drawing as a kid. And I, you know, I was like obsessed with drawing. I drew all the time. And, um, my parents are both science teachers and, um, And so I kind of just like everybody in my family was like a scientist, like my sister's a scientist, my parents are, my aunts and uncles are cousins. So I just sort of like, it was like, you're going to be a scientist. And so it was like veering into that direction. And I, I love science and I was good at it in school, but, um, I always just sort of like wanted to just like make drawings and, and make films. And, uh, my senior year of high school, I, I took a film class at the local college and I was just like, I had always been obsessed with movies and, um, had a video camera and my friends and I would make these insane like horror films together. And that was like, what solidified it for me. I like went, took this class and it was just like, Oh, filmmaking is where it's at. Like, I don't want to 
be a biologist <laughs> like the rest of my family. Um, nothing wrong with that. I just was like, it clicked. And so I went to college at Syracuse university in New York. And, um, the, I got into Syracuse as a biology major and the first day of, it was like the day before classes started, I switched into the film program, which I feel like you can't really do anymore. Maybe it was like, a, uh, <laughs> I don't think they would let that happen now, but I like literally spent the entire summer preparing a photography portfolio. And then also I lugged like my super eight film projector and like reels of films that I had made and like brought it to the fine arts department, like uh, college admissions office and was like, I'll set my projector up for you. And I like set it up and played my movie for them. And the lady like totally didn't care. She was just like, yeah, sure. Whatever kid you're in. Um, and so then, uh, yeah. So then I became a film major and I feel like I, I was like, I went into it. I was still drawing a lot. Um, and it was, the program was called film art. So I was taking studio art courses and, filmmaking classes. Um, and, uh, I think I just, I, after a couple semesters of, uh, directing actors and, uh, having to deal with like sets and like lighting and all the insane stuff that goes into live action. I took a, my first animation official, like animation class. And then I was just like, you know, screw this. Like <laughs> I'm just going to make movies in my bedroom without <laughs> anybody else. <laughs> it was just pretty antisocial, but like I still worked on other people's film sets and, but it was like, I wanted that control yeah. over the universe that I was creating or the world I was creating in a film. And, um, and I also just like wanted to get back to like that kind of essence of like getting a pencil down on paper. So, so yeah. So my senior thesis film was like a hand-drawn pencil on paper animation thousands of stacks of paper in my bedroom um and that was cool and i got into some film festivals and stuff and then uh you know i graduated college or i was graduating i didn't know what the hell to do with myself i was like what can i do can i like really get a job in animation like i didn't i wasn't like you know in an animation school so i wasn't like trained in the traditional sense i was like a weirdo and I was like the one guy in my film major who didn't, I like showed up to the senior film show with this weird cartoon and everybody else had these like serious dramas with, you know, actors and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was great. Uh, but I was like, I'm just going to stay in school forever. So <laughs> I immediately <laughs> applied to grad school before I even graduated and got into UMBC down here in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, or sort of the edge of Baltimore, I like to say. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I went to the graduate uh, MFA program there in imaging and digital art. And um, I was, I kind of veered away from animation for a while, while in that program, I was making like experimental video work and installations. And uh, I was doing a lot of videos where I was like destroying video cameras and having the cameras like record their own death and <laughs> so stuff like that. And um, you know, things you do in graduate school and then uh, yeah. And then graduated from there and just sort of stayed in Baltimore got a job at Johns Hopkins. And then that led to a job at Towson university uh, and that's where I am now. I teach animation at Towson yeah. and, um, I've been there for uh, 12 years, I guess, 2009, okay. 11 years, something like that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I've been teaching film and animation and, uh, yeah. And I, I kind of after graduate school, like shifted, I feel like I shifted gears back into just being like animation is what I'm actually really interested in. I'm interested in all types of, you know, moving image filmmaking, but, um, I think I, it was like three years of graduate school being like really immersed in like lots of like, uh, heavy conceptual like process in making things. And then I was just like, I just want to get back to making cartoons. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I shifted back kind of my focus back to that and I've been doing that ever since. Well, well, thank you for, for giving us that, that rundown, that, that, yeah. that sharing rundown. Is, wow. I, I, I heard a few parallels. Like I, I started in podcasting in 2009, so that's the thing. And cool. just, yeah, I need to have control. I'm going to do this by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's literally that. They're like, oh, we work with other people, team working, when they teach you in like undergrad and in grad school projects. It's like, nah, not at all. Yeah. Um, so obviously an animation, um, filmmaking. And so, so speak more on the, um, the sound elements and, and, and some of that stuff in between the, the three main like areas that I like read on, which one do you prefer more or why do you prefer one more than another? Oh, okay. So like, uh, sound versus animation versus film or something. I mean, I think, uh, for my personal projects, you know, I do everything. So I'm like making the animation, directing it, planning it out, um, doing all the pre-production. And then I'm also making the sound and editing the sound and mixing it. And, um, so it kind of is just like dependent on the thing, but I've also done like commission project work where I'm like, you know, I'm given stuff and I just have to make it move. Um, and that's fine. Like I, I enjoy that stuff too. It's not as enjoyable as personal projects. Um, but I think like with sound, I don't know. I think sound is, I I'm a teacher too. So it's like, I'm constantly poking my students with this concept of like sound is actually more important <laughs> in a lot of ways in, in a film. Um, and especially in animation because there's no, sound, you know, you're making a sequence of drawings that are going to move. Um, there's no sound with those originally. You have to come up with all of it. You know, yeah. it's not like being on a set where you do have the opportunity to like have a microphone recording an actor or something. It's like in animation, sound is all created. It's all post. So, um, or sometimes pre, sometimes it comes before the image, but, um, I don't know. I've been, I've been a musician for a while. Um, you know, I've always just been in, not trained <laughs> by any sense, but, um, I've always been in bands, you know, high school up through into college. And, um, you know, so I tinker on, on musical instruments, play the banjo and the guitar. And, um, so that kind of comes into it too, like thinking yeah. about things in musical terms. And I, I like animation that, um, and, and films that don't, uh, I, I, me personally, I sort of prefer stuff that doesn't have dialogue. I like work where, um, sound and image are kind of like having this dance with each other, whether that's musical, uh, music focused or, um, like a soundscape, like sound effects and ambient sound and kind of this mix of the two. Um, but I think that's where, where the medium can really shine. Yeah. Um, you know, dialogue's great too. I love, I love a good cartoon with dialogue. Um, but I think like for me personally, that's not my thing that I do. Um, yeah. 
but I've made music videos too for people. And that's another whole other thing, taking somebody else's music and trying to translate it to a visual, which is fun. I don't know if that answered anything. No, 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 abso <laughs> no absolutely. It does. It like kind of better understanding that intermingling and, you know, as much as I try to break down and separate, okay, this is one side of things. This is another side of things. And this is what the end product is going to be. But ultimately, what you literally said, and there's like, yeah, you're creating all elements of the sound <laughs> for, for an animation. Yeah. You, you, you forget about it. It's like, oh, right. There aren't many silent cartoons or what have you, at least now. Yeah. Everything's got to have a sound. Yeah. Somebody's um, going to make that stuff. So I want to talk about uh, Sweaty Eyeballs Festival. Yeah, what is, sure. What's, what's that? What's the mission? What's the submission process? What's the tea? Give <laughs> yeah, sure. So... Uh, sweaty eyeballs is this thing I started, uh, back in 2012 and, uh, I, I had worked at the creative Alliance for a while in Baltimore, um, sort of when I was in graduate school. And, uh, so I, I had connections there and was friends with people that worked there and, uh, their sort of like film programmer at the time was like, Hey, Phil, do you want to, you want to like do a screening for us an animation thing? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll pull something together. And, uh, so I pulled it together. It's just sort of this one night, you know, screening event. And it was paired with, I was doing like animation workshops with them too. And then, uh, the night happened and it like sold out and I was just like, Oh, jeez, Okay. Well, I guess there's like an audience, you know, I was kind of like, maybe some people will show up to see these weird cartoons that I'm programming. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was like this really great turnout and then i was kind of decided right then and there like i should keep this going and so for a while it was just like an annual um like one night screening we called it the sweaty eyeballs animation invitational because it was it was just like one night of animation that i was curating um and for a while i was working with um a friend of mine named max porter and he and i curated it together um and then max moved to rhode island and it was hard to curate remotely. So I just sort of took over. Um, but then, uh, yeah, in, in 2017, the Parkway theater opened up in, yeah. in, uh, station North, um, the Maryland film festival opened up this theater and it's great space. And I had kind of partnered with them. I had done work with Maryland film festival as like a consultant. I did yeah. like a lot of like technical consulting during their festival. Um, and they, they asked me, um, Hey, we got this theater. We need some programming. Um, <clears throat> do you want to do the sweaty eyeballs here and do it as a, like a monthly thing? And I was like, I don't know if I can do every month, <laughs> right? but I'll try to do some. And so I was doing these like spurts of like, you know, four or five months, every month there would be a screening. Mm -hmm. And then that went for a while. And then in, in 2019, um, I just kind of took the leap and I had a sabbatical from school. And so right. I had some time finally, some free time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I spent the spring of 2019, just like really pushing hard and figuring out how to turn it into an actual festival of animation right. instead of just like this one night thing or like a, just a one-off screening. Um, I was like, I want something that's not just me curating a program of stuff I like, but like having it be an actual juried festival, um, you submit films and, you know, we screen lots of stuff. It's not just one night, it's multiple nights. And, um, 
so yeah, since 2019, it's been going. And, um, last year was weird, obviously for everybody, (laughs) but, uh, we did it online and this year it's going to be online and in person. Um, which we'll see how that goes. I don't know. <laughs> it's hybrid. <laughs> it's going to be funky. Uh, I don't know what the turnout will be like, but it's, we always get, get a crowd. Baltimore loves animation, which is great. That's why I keep doing it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think our mission is sort of like, we're looking for work that's kind of like on the fringes or it's like, um, we, I like to use the terms like boundary pushing. Yeah. Um, and not everything we show is like super out there. We show some stuff that's a little more standard, like narrative cartoons. But um, I think most of the time when people hear the word animation, their immediate thought is just like kids stuff, right? Know, cartoons for kids. And there's obviously way more like adult animation now than there used to be. Like it's yeah. totally blossomed out. And like, you know, thanks to like streaming services and stuff, there's a definite audience for, animation for not kids. (laughs) Um, and so I think, you know, we're trying to showcase work like that. Um, that's kind of like pushing the boundaries of what this art form can be, whether that's like with storytelling and narrative or with technique or with experimentation. Um, that that's the kind of the, the goal or the idea. And a lot of the work we show is not, um, stuff you can like find, readily right so it's a festival that like a lot of the we're getting a lot of submissions from other countries and like this is their only opportunity to really like be seen in the united states which is cool to show that work then to an audience here in baltimore kind of exposed to like this broader thing um but then we also show a lot of baltimore work too so we have a Baltimore showcase that we do. And, uh, that's just artists in the Baltimore region who are making animation. And there are a lot of them. It's great. And I, and I think that's a, a thing that not a lot of people recognize. And I think that's one of the really big parts of this podcast to show that, you know, we have, you know, as you touched on, we have that, we have your festival here with international animators here like just sending their stuff here to be reviewed here and be be checked out here and then we have all of these different animators that are here that are doing a lot of different work and no one yeah. would think like oh baltimore is a place of animators nah yeah. it's just it's just this yeah i mean it helps we have we have a bunch of colleges here and sure. universities that are are putting pumping out you know really good artists and a lot of them get into the animation area. So like Micah has obviously an animation program, um, where I teach Towson university. I teach animation there. Uh, UMBC has an animation program. Um, there's people doing animation at Johns Hopkins at Stevenson, um, even a little bit at Goucher and, you know, so all these schools in the area, Oh, Morgan state as well has their, um, screenwriting and animation program. Um, so there's like a lot of stuff happening from that, like academic side. Um, and then, uh, there are also just like artists who have somehow landed here that are then getting into animation. I think that's like my, what I love too, is like, it's not just like, Oh, students. Cause the problem, uh, like I love students, obviously I teach them all the time, but they like, they graduate They've, they're like a good animator. And then a lot of them just go away. <laughs> they move to New York or LA or somewhere where they can get a job yeah. and doing it. And 
And I think, but Baltimore also has like a great art scene. And part of that is that uh, you have these artists who move here or who have been here for a while that start to veer from maybe one type of art making into animation. Um, and I think that's also sort of like a keystone of what I'm trying to help promote too, is like, not just like, Oh, these are like, um, you know, like classically trained Disney animators or something. This is somebody who's like making this in their garage yeah, and, um, really pushing like the boundaries of what this thing can be. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's just a lot of good people here <laughs> making good stuff. And that, that's, that's great to hear. And, and in some ways it, that sounds like the, I guess the ethos that it lines itself with, um, the American visionary arts, like, yeah. you know, this, this outsider element, it's like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm not this. And, you know, it's like, well, can you do it? Yes. Do you have something to say? Yes. Then yeah. here's a place for you <laughs> and submit or what have you. Um, so back in the day when yeah. I used to draw uh, comics, uh, hands and feet were problematic for me. <laughs> they are for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, what part of the body is uh, particularly tricky for you to, to draw? <laughs> what part of the body? Ooh. Well, I would say the most tricky, I, you know, when you're, when you're getting into animation, uh, a big part of it is like, and also comics too, but, um, is being able to do like a turnaround of a character if you're designing a character. Right. And you, you want to be able to draw that character consistently front three quarter profile and from the back and the back is always the hardest, right? Like being able to draw something from the back and not have it just look weird or awkward is that's the trickiest part to me drawing somebody's back or the back of their head or something. But the thing is you need that a lot of times in animation, you need to have a shot where like we're looking over the character's shoulder or they're walking away from the camera view or something. So yeah, the back is tough. That's that's more insight. That's more insight right there. That's, that's great. (laughs) Um, So uh, is there like you, you touched on, um, like kind of college and that kind of being that, that point where you're like, you know, I'm changing this, I'm changing this, uh, biology to kind of <laughs> let's sure. get to this, this film program. So let's, what, what what's something that kind of sticks out as a, a turning point for you within like animation and just because it sounds corny, I think it's funny. Uh, what was something that informed you to keep moving? Yeah motion you know what was something that informed you to to keep moving in in this path of like animation this path of creating motion and and the visual components of what you're doing yeah i mean i think i have to say a big part of it for me was like seeing my work playing in a theater um and playing in a festival so when i was in college uh i uh you know, oh, I mean, first off, like I started this program, this film program at Syracuse University. And I think my whole family thought I was crazy. They were just like, or my parents were like really worried. I think it was just like, oh no, what has he done? You know, he's thrown away his science career and gone into this other thing that is like less stable, yeah. um, potentially. But nowadays I think like, no, animation is thriving. There's lots of work and jobs and it's a great industry. Um, but I, I, uh, when I was in college, I attended the Ottawa animation festival up in Canada Mm -hmm. and, um, it's sort of like 
that's the one I look up to, right. As somebody who runs an animation festival, Ottawa is like the gold standard. And, um, I attended that a couple times when I was in school and it just sort of, that kind of like changed my perspective on animation to seeing the work there and like realizing the community, uh, of these people from all around the world that are doing this thing. Um, it kind of blew my mind and I was just like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to be part of something like this. Um, and then my first like animated film that I finished in my thesis film at Syracuse, it got into a bunch of festivals and I won a couple awards. And that was like, I don't know if I would have kept going if I hadn't, I got lucky. I have to say, I got lucky. I got into some stuff and a few things it won awards it. And I was just like, Oh, that feels really good. It's like some, like, you know, you slave away. I was like getting working on that film. I slept like two hours a night. Like it was crazy. I was like staying up all hours, just drawing constantly. And, you know, it was like really nice to have some like reason for torturing myself basically. (laughs) Right. Um, And uh, so, I mean, that was a big part of it. And I think too, like now running this festival and like, and trying to promote other animators work. It's like, I think back to that moment in my career of like being accepted to something and then like having a show on a big screen and having people laugh at it and enjoy it and potentially even like give it a prize was amazing. It was like a game changer for me. Um, and that's a big motivator too. It's like when you make, I don't know, maybe there are some artists who like make their work only for them and like, live in a cabin in the middle of nowhere or something. But I think that's kind of weird. Um, for me personally, it's like, I'm making work to show it to people and get some kind of reaction, emotional, mental, whatever, psychological reaction to the thing that I'm making. And so, um, that's what kind of drives me too. It's like the audience, you're making something for an audience. Um, yeah, I think even going to being there at the festival and having that that feedback, it's the same thing that I, I watch a lot of wrestling, and it's mm. the same thing that uh, the athletes, the performers talk about. It's like, yeah, you're going out there to do something that hurts. You're going out there to do something that takes time away from your family, all of that. But the immediate response is it's alluring. It's intoxicating. It's like a drug. So yeah. when you're able to get that feedback immediately. Um, like, well, you were able to get that feedback almost in real time. Like, granted, you've been working on it. No one sees how the, the hot dogs are made or sausage is made or what have you. But if you're able to see it, it's like, wow, this is, this is great. This feels, this feels great. How can I mainline this? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, it's a serious dopamine hit for sure. I mean, the one thing I will say too, is like the festivals, I mean, what I try to nurture too, in the festival here in Baltimore is this like bringing people together who are like-minded and who are into this stuff, not just like, you know, filmmakers, obviously, but then also like people in the community who love this medium to meet filmmakers and like mingle. And, um, obviously it's trickier a little bit with COVID, but, um, hopefully we'll get back to a little bit more mingling in the future. I mean, like my goals eventually for this thing is to have it, become almost more like a, not just a festival, but like a, um, I, I hate the word networking. Cause it just feels so like cheesy to me. Like I hate even having to use it, but like a networking event for animators in the region where it's like people descend on Baltimore 
or people who are already here come out of the woodwork (laughs) and they all hang out and there's like, I want to do, you know, workshops and sort of almost not like a conference, I guess, but like workshops, artist talks, um, and then like bringing in things like software companies to do demonstrations and stuff like that. Um, so having it both kind of be like the artistic side of the medium. And then obviously there's a very big industry side of the medium too. Um, you know, you can get into like television, animation, video games, virtual reality, whatever you want to like veer into animation has its fingers and everything, you know, even like visual effects for like the latest Marvel movies, mostly made by animators, not by some guy with a camera. Um, so yeah, but I like that wrestling analogy. Animation is kind of like wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) But I think one of the things that's in there, right. Is, um, just I, immediately what you were describing that I started thinking of a convention like the mm-hmm. I, I, I like to go to the blurred con conventions and uh, in, in like DC and they'll talk about like yeah it's your fandom so you have that one side of the fandom but then it's like here's these other things that are part of the culture um, the, uh, the cosplay is not consent the uh, having different representation there within that scene and so that's yeah. a component there and then you have people who are making gaming and all of these different things that are part of the culture so you have various tiers going Going. and part of that part of the stuff that's baked in is that networking element is baked in but really yeah. it's everyone is there under that umbrella to enjoy this element of fandom so i i think you got something there i think you got something going on there i think you have a yeah, great idea totally. that you can yeah i mean i yeah it's just like finding this common thread like people can can connect over i mean that's part of it is just like yeah getting some human connection going between people and like animation is a great way to unite people you know who doesn't like animation if you don't like animation you're probably a jerk (laughs) (laughs) um so i have one more question before i get into um the rapid fire questions um so so as a um as a um a teacher as an educator within within that industry so you're 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 using your knowledge that you're a person working within the industry and you're also teaching within this industry. So that gives you a unique perspective that not everybody has. So sure. Uh, what are, what are some of those difficulties and challenges of the industry? You, you, you mentioned, um, kind of here, um, in Baltimore that people are leaving, but the industry is, is doing better, but people do leave to go to maybe a bigger market or what have you for a bigger sure. job. So what are some of those challenges and difficulties of kind of being and staying within the industry? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I hate it every time my students are getting towards their senior year and they're like, so where, where are the jobs, Phil? And I'm like, well, you know, and I start showing them, you know, posting sites and places where they can find those resources. And, um, I mean, luckily there are tons of great online resources to find work in the industry and the industry is booming right now. So they're looking for lots of people. Um, but I, you know, I always have to kind of be like, there's some stuff here, but you're probably going to have to move. And then maybe you can move back, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I hate saying that because I want it, the industry to be here. It's just not quite there yet. Um, you know, there are these other markets popping up like Atlanta is becoming a big hub um, for film and animation. Um, and, you know, a big part of it is like 
the government like tax incentives of a yeah. state government help because like productions don't want to run a studio out of someplace that's not going to if if one state is going to offer you a big tax incentive and another state's not you're obviously probably going to go with the state that's giving you money yeah. um but uh yeah i mean i think that's a huge challenge here is like getting people to stay what i would love to happen you know part of you know this this is like pipe dream goals of sweaty eyeballs is like yeah it's a festival of like weird animation but it's also like i want it to become this thing that is like Baltimore could be the hub in the mid Atlantic. Like there's a gap here. You got New York, you got Atlanta. There's some stuff in Florida. There's a lot of stuff on the West coast in California, but that's very far away. <laughs> there's yeah. Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, I think there's like a ripe opportunity here. We're like right on the corridor, right? We're, we've got Philadelphia, we've got Baltimore, we got DC, we got areas in Virginia, there's talent and there's people who are hungry for it that want to do this kind of work, but they can't stick around um, in the area if there's no jobs for it. So the only thing I will say that is potentially good about the pandemic is that um, it's allowed a lot of animators, uh, freelance people specifically, um, but a lot of animators um, and people in that industry to work from home. Yeah which is cool. Like if you have a fast enough computer and the software you need, you can, you don't need to go into a place to do the thing you're tasked to do. Um, and I think that's, I, I feel like after pandemic kind of chills out, people are gonna just be like, no, I'm staying home. Like, I don't, why would I want to commute to some job in a city that's like expensive to live in? And, you know, when I could just do it from home. So I'm, I'm curious how it's going to pan out, but I think, you know, that's a challenge for me is like, um, helping students find that work and find like a career path that makes sense for them. I feel like it's really, um, disingenuous to tell like film students or animation students that like, you're all going to be directors because it's just not true. Right. Um, it's just not going to happen. Um, I would love for them all to become like famous directors of animation, but it's just not possible. There's too much competition and you have to have a lot of drive and a lot of like serious, like hard work and talent to be able to be that kind of like top of the game in the industry. At least you can be a director of your own weird independent films though. And that's why I kind of been like, so if you're not going to go that route, do you want to make your own stuff? Or are you satisfied with like being somebody who helps a project come to fruition, like yeah. working as an animator on somebody else's kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I think it's trying to find people's personalities, you know, like, are you the kind of person who can like push it all the way? And you're like, only my ideas, <laughs> I'm the director. Or are you the kind of person who's, who's more laid back and just kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll like animate those clouds for you for three years, Pixar, right. In the background, it's and not it, the kind of job I want, but some people might be into it. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, when you watch like 
shows like uh i guess the movies that made us and so on you find like one or two dudes it's like yeah we animated the t-rex it's like yeah it didn't really work out at the end of the day you guys weren't like directors i'm sure you had cool careers but sure. it wasn't you being directors or whatever it was but you're the you're the guy you're the guy that did that so yep. there, there's an opportunity um and i think sometimes uh people run into it like when I do the podcast stuff and they're like, yeah, I need to be the face. I need to be the lead and all of this. And it's like, there's an opportunity that you may just be missing. And yeah. it's like, what what are you aiming for? That's, that's the thing I try to look for when I do the courses or if I do um, any um, instruction or uh, consultation in this space, it's just like, what are you aiming for? Yeah. And uh, this is the way to probably go about it. Yeah. So, the last part I have here uh, is rapid the fire. rapid fire questions and crack my knuckles or something. <laughs> so essentially with rapid fire, uh, these questions, these are just straight answers that no gotcha questions here. Just uh, straight answers. You don't really have to provide any context unless you want to. And then okay. we'll uh, wrap up with uh, shameless plugs and you can plug, plug, plug away at the end. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, favorite animated short. Ooh, uh, Food by Jan Svankmeyer. Uh, Hanna-Barbera or Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers. Hands you, down. <laughs> you mentioned this earlier, so I threw this in there. I usually only do five, but I threw a sixth one in there because you mentioned the horror movie uh, situation from very earlier. Uh, in the mm -hmm. pod, um, favorite horror movie character? Ooh, uh, Ash from Evil Dead trilogy. Okay, that's a good one. Did a little research. I heard about some some uh, some NH food, uh, fried lake bass or lake trout. <laughs> oh, uh, neither pan fried brook trout. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's a trick one. I, got, I like you, I like you on that one. Uh, this is another one that came from some research. I did it. Um, favorite places to skip rocks in Baltimore. <laughs> in Baltimore, uh, mm, pretty boy reservoir. Uh, and lastly, Saturday morning cartoons, yes or no? Yes. All right. Definitely. Bring All them right. back. <laughs> Absolutely. I was crestfallen when I found out the reasoning why they were dropped locally. It's like, we must have a certain amount of educational stuff on us. Like, then make G.I. Joe. Like, the, the, no one's half the battle. Is that, it, yeah, man. I have a five-year-old. I would love for him to wake up and just turn the TV on and let me sleep for another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been great. Um, I want to hand the floor over to you to shamelessly plug, plug, plug away. And thank okay. You so much for being on yeah, the thank you, Rob. That was great. Well, yeah, so Sweaty Eyeballs Animation Festival. It's happening uh, November 12th through the 19th. And uh, it's is going to be a hybrid event this year. So it's both in-person screenings and uh, screenings streaming online um, through the Maryland Film Festival's uh, website platform. Um, so they have a virtual theater. Um, so it's uh, $30 for student virtual pass or $50 for a full uh, regular pass. And that gets you access to all the films uh, screening and programs um, for the week. Um, and the in-person screenings will be taking place at the SNF Parkway Theater uh, at 5 West North Avenue in Baltimore. And those will be running from November 12th through the 14th. So just the opening weekend of the festival. Um, and we have five international shorts block programs, um, a young audiences program for 
kids four and up and um, a Baltimore showcase of all work made here locally in the area. And then uh, lastly, we also have uh, three animator retrospectives from three amazing animators, Reka Bushi from Hungary, Jean-Charles Mbati Malolo from France and Caleb Wood from here in the United States. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great program. You can check out more info about it at our website. It's just www.sweatyeyeballs.com. So there you have it, folks. Um, I want to thank you, Phil, Phil Davis, for coming on to the podcast. This has been uh, wonderful. And uh, yeah, so for Phil Davis, I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.